Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy 2016. We are here. We are live. It is Soccer Morning. We are entering what I believe to be, producer Trevor can correct me if I'm wrong here, our fourth calendar year. I mean, we, we haven't been on the air for four years, but 13, 14, 15, 16. So that's four different years we've broadcasted in. Is that right? I can't I can't believe it. Someone pinch me, because I'm pretty confused as to how we got to where we are. Was it 2013 that we started? Holy crap. Holy crap. Let me just say holy crap, okay? We are uh we are live. And we're on the air. Uh where what other podcast that happens daily? That covers soccer is going to have the, the host saying holy crap over and over again. There. We are uh, we are going to talk some English Premier League soccer today with Kristen Hedge coming up in just a little bit. It is 2016. It is January. It is cold finally where I am, which is weird. It was weird that it was so warm and now it's weird that it's actually cold again. So winter is here. We will settle in. We will get you through the winter. Do not worry Lots to cover uh, through January, but let's uh, let's focus on what's happening right now around the world of soccer with the news rundown before we grab our good friend Christian Hennage. Busy weekend in England. West Ham beating Liverpool two nothing. Jurgen Klopp not happy. I, I of all of the the managers in the world, I think Jurgen Klopp is the one I would least like to piss off. I think, I think, I mean, that, that, that mouth opens up and you get, yeah. So Liverpool losing 2 nothing to West Ham, um, on the road. Uh, Jurgen Klopp decrying the lack of effort from his team in that loss. So not good for Liverpool this weekend. Arsenal squeaking by Newcastle 1 nothing to maintain their top spot in the Premier League table. Obviously, we've all been watching Leicester hover around the top. Now Arsenal has finally jumped ahead of them by two points. Leicester this weekend with a goalless draw against Bournemouth, not what they need, and they get word that they're going to miss out on, uh, or they're going to lose Jamie Vardy for two weeks as he undergoes minor groin surgery, which just makes me cringe. Uh, so Leicester having some problems there with their top goal scorer set to be sidelined for a couple of weeks. Manchester United 2-1 over Swansea. Wayne Rooney. Scoring the winner on a ridiculous bat. I mean, if you haven't seen Wayne Rooney's goal from the weekend, go watch it. I'm no giant Wayne Rooney fan, but the man has talent. It just it doesn't come out as often as you would like if you're a Manchester United fan these days. He's played a lot of games. He's got a lot of miles on those legs, but he is capable of what he did uh, this weekend, scoring the winner for Manchester United uh, over Swansea. Rooney moves into second place in the list of all-time goal scorers for both the Premier League. He is well behind Alan Shearer. He's never going to catch him, uh, but he is in second place. And second place uh, for Manchester United behind Bobby Charlton. Watford, uh, one. Manchester City, two. So Manchester City stalking Arsenal and Leicester there um, in the Premier League race. Uh, Chelsea looks improved in a 3 nothing drubbing of Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park, so on the road in London. Eden Azard comes off uh, in that match in the first half. He'll have a scan today in London to determine what's going on. Uh, with the way that Eden Hazard has played this season, maybe not too much of a loss if he's out for a little while. Maybe things uh, get a little bit easier for Goose Hitting in terms of selection. Uh, tough to, to well, not tough to drop Eden Hazard if he's not playing well, but this kind of takes care of itself. Everton and Spurs playing to a thrilling 1-1 draw yesterday in the Premier League as well. 
The Telegraph reports that MLS and the Montreal Impact are playing hardball over the termination of Didier Drogba's contract with the MLS team. Drogba, the, the way this is reported, it says Drogba could retire and avoid having to negotiate an out with Montreal. Chelsea wouldn't have to buy him out or anything like that. Um, but Chelsea and Drogba want to keep open the possibility of Drogba playing again for the Blues, even though what he really wants to make the move for is to be a coach with Chelsea. So it's a little convoluted. But regardless, it seems at this point Montreal has accepted that Didier Drogba will not be part of their plans in 2016. 2016 excuse me, uh, Drogba wants to move on. Chelsea wants to make it happen. There's going to be some resolution. It's just a matter of how much... Chelsea is willing to pay and whether or not Drogba has to hang up his cleats as an active player in order to get the deal done. LA Galaxy midfielder and Liverpool legend Steven Gerrard says 2016 may be his last year as a player. He said this to the Telegraph. He also told the Telegraph that he wasted time as a younger player watching TV, mentioning specifically The Office and The Sopranos. I'm assuming he means the English version of The Office. And The Sopranos, of course, we know The Sopranos. Uh, when he should have been getting on, uh, should have been working on his licenses and his badges as a coach. And now he says um, he also laments the treatment of England's great generation of players uh, like himself. Uh, thinks that they should have offers uh, when they are retiring. He mentioned specifically the treatment of players uh, of a guy like Pep Guardiola at Barcelona, who went right into a role with his club and obviously became the manager. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Steven Gerrard at the end of 2016 in La Liga Valencia held Real Madrid to a 2-2 draw there at home Real Madrid went down to 10 men uh, so Valencia with a point uh, a better point for uh, for Gary Neville and company than for Real Madrid certainly Barcelona plays to a disappointing goalless draw with Espanyol in the Catalan derby um, not what Barcelona needed, and now Atletico Madrid, on the strength of their win on Saturday, one nothing over Levante, jumps over Barcelona uh, into first place uh, in La Liga, although Barcelona has a game in hand. That's because of their trip to the Club World Cup. Bayer Leverkusen, sporting director Rudy Voller, insists, insists that Mexican striker Javier Hernandez will not be leaving the club in January, despite a lot of interest in Chicharito's uh, services around Europe and in fact uh, Arsenal mentioned a lot with Chicharito Hernandez these days I'm not sure Arsenal really wants to go after um, a, a, a pricey striker in January but uh, those rumors are out there and Arsene Wenger has said that Arsenal intends to spend. Hernandez has 19 goals in 25 matches across, across all competitions for the German side. Remember he moved from Manchester United after being on loan to Real Madrid. He moved from Manchester United for 7.3 million pounds this summer Looking like an absolute steal for Leverkusen. They could certainly cash in on him. But Voller says they intend to hold on to, um, to Chicharito Hernandez. We are a football club, and it is important. Thank you, Rudy. We are a football club, and it is important that we are successful. Chicharito has played a big part in our success so far through his style of play, through his goals. That's why we brought him here in the first half of the season. Everything has worked out fine. It's easy to reject offers when you're in a position in which you don't need to sell. We are in such a position. We will keep the players we want to help us achieve our goals. So there you go. Um, it looks like Chicharito will stay in Germany. Look, I, If you're Chicharito Hernandez at this point, I think you have to consider whether or not moving back to England or any uh, bigger, quote-unquote, bigger club than Leverkusen is even in your best interest considering how well things have gone at Bayer Leverkusen. I mean, this is a guy who couldn't score to save his life 
Um, at the end of his Manchester United run, he wasn't getting time. Bayern Munich, or sorry, Bayern Munich, uh, Real Madrid, he couldn't get off the bench. He moves to Bayer Leverkusen. It all clicks into place. Absolutely no reason for him to move and for, for Leverkusen to sell him based on the success he's brought them. Uh, they just need to, to sort out a couple of other things in order to get the results they need to climb up the table in the Bundesliga. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, our good friend Christian Hedge will start off the new year for us talking Premier League. And we may dance around a little bit because Christian is a jack of all trades. Don't go anywhere. Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, here we go. Soccer Morning on a Monday, 4th of January, 2016. We are into a new year. And uh, what a fitting first guest of the new year, Christian Henez, joins us on the line from jolly old England, where I'm sure it's uh, it's it's just a beautiful, sunny day with uh, birds singing and all of that in the new year. Right, Christian? It is wetter than an office pocket, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, that that I don't understand. I'll go look that up after we get done talking. Um, let's uh, let's let's dive into some of these uh, some of this English uh, Premier League action from the weekend, uh, Christian. Um, the 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 weather certainly looked horrible, but um, you, what can you say? And I'll start here because it was the best goal I saw this weekend uh, about Wayne Rooney and, and that winner against Swansea for Manchester United. <coughs> It suggests he had a bit of his confidence back. Um, the the cheekiness of it, the, the kind of the almost reactionary way in which he did it, it was it was instincts. It didn't feel like he was overthinking it. And my question is, perhaps that's possibly something he's been doing in recent months. Is he's been overthinking how to finish chances? And look, if there's any way to break a duck, I think uh, a flick like that to give your team the lead is the perfect way to do it. It's about consistency with him, though, and I'm sure he'll be the first to acknowledge that. It's all well and good getting a goal here and a goal there and sporadically topping up your numbers. You have to do it with much more consistency if you're going to convince people that the drought is over. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And there will, despite the fantastic goal that he scored, there will remain questions about Rooney's fit with this within this team as long as this team isn't cons- consistent either, uh, Chris. I mean, if Wayne Rooney's not scoring, that's a problem if Manchester United's not scoring in general. But if Manchester United's scoring goals, if they're getting from other places, Martial or, or whoever, then it's less of an issue. I, I mean, certainly he, he looms because of, his, because of his record. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I was talking um, to a player about this, this quite recently. Um, and... Uh, I appreciate it. it can sound quite narcissistic, but they do care how they play on an individual level. Even if the team is winning on a consistent basis, they care how much they influence proceedings, how they play as an individual, how they perform. And I think really is of the mindset that he will care what he's contributing as well. It's not even purely about the money side of things and the fact that he's earned 300000 a week. I think he cares because of personal pride, because... He's been the player that has so often dictated proceedings and, and influenced things throughout his career that the idea that actually 
he's not the star turn that he once was. He's not the person defining success and failure for Manchester United. That will massively concern him. And I think, it, again, it, he's at that part in his career now where I think he's having to change, he's having to evolve and shift his game into a very different style of play, one that he's not used to. He's not. He's never really been about a physical presence, not, not since he was very, very young. But it is diminished now. He's, he's nowhere near as quick as he once was. He's, he's nowhere near as physical. He's having to use his intelligence a lot more. And I think that can often be a, a jarring and difficult process for a player because essentially the, the body is, is not doing what the mind is telling it to do. And, and that can be difficult to com- comprehend. So, certainly. I mean, a, with that, when that moment happens, players have a reckoning. Uh, we, we saw it with Steven Gerrard at Liverpool last season. Uh, we, we've seen it m- many times, uh, especially with a, a certain generation of English players. And Rooney is just hap- Rooney just happens to be on the back end of that generation, and, and yet at the same time, because of how young he uh, he was when he debuted and how many uh, how many minutes he've, he's played since then, it's almost like he is within that uh, that that same realm as the thirty five year old Gerard. Exactly, that's that's the thing in the consciousness. They're almost on the same timeline, and. <clears throat> Excuse me. You, you raise an interesting point there as well about the the length of his career. He started when he was sixteen, and and if you look at Torres and and Michael Owen is probably two good examples. They played consistent football during their teens as well. A, a lot of football, in fact, during their teens. And and I heard a theory once that essentially the body doesn't stop growing until it's twenty one. So you're putting it under duress while it's also trying to grow. And and in the long term, that can be damaging to the, the muscles and a lot of the the kind of the physical elements of your body as you get older and that can manifest in, in small niggling injuries but it can also cause you to kind of slow down much quicker and, and in general break down quicker because the car's covered more miles early on yeah i mean there's a lot there uh physiologically and, and hormones and everything else i don't really understand but i imagine has to have in, some impact on a on a uh, on someone who steps into a rigorous training regime at such a young age, we see it. You know, there are there are certainly. Well, I don't want to go into that. I'll, I'll be speaking out of uh, my expertise. Let's let's look at Manchester United as they are right now. Again, lots of questions about Louis Van Hall's job security, Christian. They are now uh, in fifth place. This victory sort of maintains their position. Uh, what you know? What's next for them as the new year begins? I, th- I think, much like we touched on with Rooney there, it's about that consistency again. You, <clears throat> excuse me, you, you have to start to, to forge something with momentum. Now, again, they've, they've got the FA Cup coming up. There's an opportunity there, I think, to do something. As we've seen with Arsenal, they've used that competition to, to foster goodwill with their fan base over the last few years by winning it and, and giving fans something to cheer about. I think, realistically, Manchester United aren't in the title race they could approach the Europa League with, this, with the same tenacity as I'm suggesting they do so with the FA Cup. Whether that will garner the results they want, I'm not entirely sure. The FA Cup, you could argue, because there's a, a lesser opposition, there's more chance of them winning it. Personally, I, I would say that a bit like the suggestion I've made to you previously about Chelsea taking it very seriously, I think if Man United can almost separate their, their mind partly to the Premier League for, from a pride perspective, to make sure they get as high as possible, and then also partly to the Europa League because there is a chance they can qualify for the Champions League with it. Mm-hmm. Then that's that's what they have to do. I, th- I think certainly 
there's every chance they they can make the top four. I mean, they're nowhere near miles away from it. I think the league is, a, is perhaps a step too far. Although I imagine there are numerous Man United fans bellowing into their computers or radios right now, telling me about the 12 point season with Newcastle. Sure. I I don't see that massive gap being closed at this point. Though no, I I think it. It's cities or Arsenal's to, to lose at this point. Well, I, I think that it's interesting that in any other season, um, sitting in fifth place at this point, uh, halfway through the year, a little bit more than that, you might say, well, okay, this, the title is lost. Let's, let's move on. Let's focus on the FA Cup. Let's focus on, as you said, the Europa League. Um, in this particular season, though, because no one else has stepped out to be the dominant side in the league, it gives you this, I don't want to say false hope, uh, Christian, because it is actual hope. It's just whether or not it becomes um, something that you chase, you end up chasing your tail in the end rather than actually forging ahead and, and making progress in other areas? I think it's about being realistic as well. As we've just touched on there, Man United haven't been consistent. They haven't been able to, to forge a, a regular win pattern. So you're looking at the future and saying there's going to be those bumps again because they're undergoing a significant change. They're essentially doing what should have happened when Ferguson left, which is forging a new tactical identity, they're introducing new players, some of whom are young, some of whom have even played in this league before, and they're going to have peaks and drops. And I think to, to expect that a win against Swansea writes that ship perfectly and now they can, can carry on with, uh, with vigour is, is a tad naive because there's still other things to be learned. And, and equally, I think, in, in relation to, to Louis van Gaal more specifically, He's not becoming flexible with this win. He's essentially had success using the tactic that he's used for the entire season and it's got him a lot of detractors. And so the idea that, like I say, that it will fix everything, again, I think that's slightly myopic. If anything, I'd expect them to have a few more bumps before the season's out. It's interesting, uh, you know, the, 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 whether or not Manchester United goes after the FA Cup um, with, with actual vigor, we'll see. They haven't won it in more than 10 years, I, I think, is the, uh, the record for Manchester United. I mean, it just hasn't been. I mean, they, they went through a stretch where they won it quite a bit, but they haven't really, they haven't really been in the, at, at that level. I think they've lost, they last uh, appeared in the final in 2000, 2005. Uh, no, 2007 against uh, against Chelsea. So it's been a while since they've even gotten to that level. Uh, we'll see. Let's go to the top of the standings and talk about Arsenal. They get a one nothing win over over Newcastle, Christian. And, and and what I'm reading, I didn't get a chance to see that game myself. What, I, what I'm reading is, and and by virtue of a one nothing sort of scrape, I I imagine is the way that they're they're looking at it. Arsenal fans are sort of saying, well, that's great that we won. Do we take more out of the? Do we take more out of this? Do we consider whether or not this was a, a bit of a struggle that we shouldn't have had? I, I see what they mean by that. I mean, if you look at the, the game, I think they they shaded chances in possession, Arsenal. Yet when you watch the the highlights of, or watch the full game as I did, it's hard to to look past the fact that Newcastle had a lot more of the better chances, if you will. And you can certainly push yourself down the rabbit hole if you deserve to win it. You know, how about it? I'm, I'm not sure how relevant the conversation is. What I, what I would say is, from an Arsenal perspective, it was concerning how much space they gave the Newcastle midfield. Um, a lot of the, the commentators at the time was talking how Colback and, and Tioto had kind of dominated the Arsenal midfield. I wouldn't go that far, but I do think that they played a lot better than I've seen them play in, in recent weeks. And it's, it's amazing that that comes against Arsenal, who are at the top of the table now. I think part of that is because they were missing Francis Cockerland, who 
certainly gives them a defensive steal and, and is someone that will shut down space and, and not allow people to play. It's, it's that duality of you, you look at it on the one hand and you say, well, championship winning sides win games like this where they don't dominate, where teams have chances, they have the mental edge to come forward. The concern I have, as I touched on there, is they allowed Newcastle to play for a large portion of this game. They allowed them to, to cause damage. They allowed them to, to breed chances. And if you do that against someone who perhaps isn't completely bereft of confidence, I think you lose that game 2-1, 3-1, 3-1 So they'll, they'll need to essentially stop doing that. I think they gave Newcastle far too much respect. Really, a team with Arsenal's ambitions and Arsenal's position in the league should be smothering a team in the bottom three when they come to the end. Right. Yeah, I looked at, at that game. I look at the one against Sunderland as well, which admittedly they killed off in the end. But there was a good portion of that match where Sunderland caused some trouble, where Sunderland managed to cause some problems. And that's something that you always worry about with Arsenal. Mm. How fragile is this mentality? How how strong is, is this team's ability to bounce back from something? And also believe in itself to get the job done because that's the difference realistically between a, a title winner and a runner-up. Mm. Um, you know, speaking of, uh, speaking of the FA Cup, we just got done talking about that with Manchester United. Arsenal... Uh, who's, as you said, given their fans something to hold on to by, by winning that, that trophy and, and, and regaining some level of success, actually winning things, has Sunderland in the third round coming up um, in five days. So it'll be interesting to see what Arsene Wenger, in the midst of a title chase, does with his side in the FA Cup versus what Van Hall does uh, in Manchester with United, uh, Christian. And then there's the question of whether or not Arsenal goes out and spends this winter. I think in relation to the FA Cup, I, I think he has to have confidence that some changes can beat Sunderland. Because again, Sunderland have got their own concerns at the minute. They're trying to get out of the, the relegation zone. And, and that is something that will, I imagine, dictate Sam Allardyce's plans because a, a cup run is, is just an unnecessary burden to add at this point. They, they tried to do it a few years ago when they, they got to the League Cup final and tried to stay up at the same time. And that was a, a difficult thing for them to manage towards the end of the season because they were just playing so many games. I think, to answer your second question, they do need to go out and buy. I think who they buy is, is a difficult question because you're playing you're paying the, the premium that is January prices. I think you're also hoping that that person can come in and settle quickly, much like Andre Arshavin did. But <laughs> the, the irony with Arshavin was he settled quickly but then never really recaptured that Played early down. form yeah. that he had. Um, so, so it's it's trying to identify the right players available. I think that's something we perhaps get lost in when it comes to January. We we look at this this brief window we've got and say, well, you know, my club or, or your club should sign X, Y, and Z. It's whether they're available partly and and whether they want to move in a, in what is a, a European competition year as well. Because if if you're playing well at your club, you know, Virginia United, are you really going to want to mess up that potential form and move to a different club? which could unseat you from your international team and your international prospects. Mm-hmm. There are lots of little my issues that I think people get lost in when, when we discuss this. So I would say definitely they do need to buy. It's just whether that deal is available. Well, let me ask you, Christian. When you look at Arsenal's squad, and we just talked about some of the injuries, we know about Coquelin and, and some, other, some other missing pieces for Arsene Wenger, and he's done a good job navigating. Where, where should they strengthen? What, what does he need now to continue to be able to navigate this period, especially with a couple of those big figures out? 
Well, you touched on it there. I, I'd be inclined to say that, that a defensive midfielder, a very good one, um, would be important for them. It's just trying to find one. That's a difficulty. I, I would have said Jeffrey can dog be, but obviously he's joined into in the summer, and I can't see them relinquishing him this quick, at least not for a, a massive profit and one that doesn't actually reflect his true value. Um, so consequently, the, the one player I look at and think, well, that would have been who I would have got. Is they you could look at Adrian Rabiot of, of PSG. That's another option, but then he's, he's not as much of the, the physical presence that I think that midfield needs. So it's it's actually very difficult to try and find someone. Um, the striking options, I'm, I'm sure you could upgrade there. There was obviously the talk of Karim Benzema. Mm. I'm not sure if he moves in January either. That that's one that you look at in the summer and say, well, can we do the deal then? Because, again, the temptation is to go out and buy something. It's like the idea that you should never go food shopping hungry. You end up buying a lot of stuff you don't really need Mm -hmm. that you wanted in the moment. And that's going to imbalance the squad in a lot of ways. And I think there are a number of managers who will probably tell you that when you're in Arsenal's position, adding an extra face in there, an extra mentality, that can be disruptive to the the core group that have already bonded over the course of the season. So for me personally, there, there isn't anyone that jumps out. That's, that's the duality between saying they need someone, but there's no one that really jumps out as, as being the perfect acquisition for them. Mm. We'll have to uh, see what Arsenal does uh, in the window. In the meantime, as I mentioned, Sunderland in the FA Cup, well, then they uh, they go on in the in January with um, trips to Liverpool, Stoke City, and then home to Chelsea. Uh, uh, I, by the way, I do that all the time. I go I go shopping hungry all the time. It's a terrible habit. Don't do it, as Christian says. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Leicester. They get a goalless draw against Bournemouth. That's not what you want if you're chasing a title. And, and now they hear we hear that Jamie Vardy is going to miss two weeks with, uh, with minor groin surgery, which sounds uh, completely nonsensical to me. How can any groin surgery be minor? Um, but, uh, but, but, but further, is this going to be with the other, the other issues of, of because they're Leicester, there's going to be you know, continued chatter about players moving on, uh, particularly in the winter uh, when, when those prices are high and the club can cash in. Are we starting to see just a little bit of the cracks that are going to show with the Foxes? I think we're seeing how they handle difficulties. That, again, doesn't matter whether it's Leicester, Arsenal, Manchester City or United. You will always learn about a team's potential when they face that bump and how they react to it. Um, and I think that's what we're learning with Leicester right now. I can't see them losing these players in the winter, personally. And I, I think... The, the ownership are quite rich. They're quite deep-pocketed. There's no need for them to cash in in that sense. And equally, I can't see the values of, say, Vardy and Morris, who are the two most likely to leave, dropping significantly by the summer. Assuming they, they don't have a, a huge drop-off and they maintain it, even half of the formula and, and break into the or near to the 20-goal barrier, respectively. I can't see the prices dropping that much. And and I know in particular, in fact, Riyad Mahrez even told the, the French press quite recently, I think he was talking to uh, Carol Plus, he said that he's looking to stay the season, he's not looking to leave at all. And I think players are becoming a little bit more mature, a little bit more sensible about that. But at the minute, it's about building that consistency, which we talked about early on there. And for Mahrez, that's best done by staying at Leicester. For Vardy, it's a similar situation. There's no need to, to move mid-season when you're enjoying your football and you're achieving a lot with Leicester. Because you could very easily get to the end of the summer or the end of the season, excuse me, 
and the club's plans, the club's ambitions could match your own. It, it's better to, to kind of wait and see how the, the path forms rather than try and predict things. And I think in relation to, to them, that that is what they will do. In, in relation to Leicester in the bigger picture, I don't think they'll be able to, to get back to anywhere near the levels of form they were at pre-Christmas. But I would expect them to hit about six sixth position, maybe even fifth at a push. I, I think you'll see them in the Europa League next year, but I, I can't see them in the Champions League personally. Yeah, this is the second, this is the second time, or the, I'm sorry, th- third time out without a goal for Leicester. That's got to be, again, that's got to be troubling. They lost to Liverpool one nothing on Boxing Day. They uh, drew with Manchester City nil uh, nil, and then they draw with Bournemouth nil nil. They've got Tottenham in the in the FA Cup at um, uh, at Tottenham, and then they play Tottenham again in the Premier League on the thirteenth. They got Aston Villa uh, away to Villa Park, and then Stoke City at home. So not not a murderer's row the last couple of games of the month, but but Tottenham is a, is a difficult out. Uh, so we'll see what what goes on with with Leicester. Speaking of Tottenham, you know a little bit of question For, fourth place right now. Um, they've I don't know about I don't know how you view their consistency. I have to look at uh, at, at their recent form, uh, Christian. I don't have it in front of me. But Tottenham is a club that, when people talk about them being a title contender, I, I don't want to scoff because they certainly have the talent to do it. I like Pochettino a lot, but they're Tottenham, and and, and I wonder where their where their skid happens. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you alluded to it there in, in the way you said it yourself with, with Tottenham. There's, there's a belief, and I think even the most ardent Tottenham fan will say, there is a belief that mentally they are weak and that they're susceptible to crumbling. And I, I think that's a, a fair comment based on their recent history. What I would say to, to maybe dispel that slightly now is that this is a very different group of players. You have at the back, Toby Aldevero, Deandre Tongan, two players that have played at Ajax have that winner's mentality, have have succeeded in their career, captain the club and, and achieved a lot with Belgium already. You've got young heads like Deli Ali and Harry Kane, players who I would argue didn't grow up with that mentality themselves yeah. and have arrived yeah. at the football club with the idea that they can achieve things. Harry Kane, for example, has has come into that team and, and beaten out competition from Roberto Soldado, Emmanuel Adebayor players with much stronger pedigree. I think a lot of that takes self-belief and takes a, a, a will to win. So it's a different core group to the one that maybe we associate with the past. And I think also there's a different mentality in the coaching staff as well. I don't think Mauricio Pochettino is just playing into the idea that Tottenham are, are mentally weak. I think if you watch that team, they actually play with supreme confidence mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And if you look at some of their more recent losses, like for the Newcastle one as an example, I would say it was complacency more than anything that cost them and you know it's not just in the dictionary where complacency and confidence sit next to each other it's a a very fine line and and Mm -hmm. Tottenham I think will straddle that at times it's about whether they can start to manifest that into something that lets them challenge for the title I think personally it could I've I've said from from very very early on this season I can see them in the top four whether I see that being a title this season I'm not sure I expect personally it'll maybe take one summer, one or two more little extra purchases, maybe a, an out-and-out striker to give some competition to Harry Kane. But once you get those last few pieces of that puzzle, you start to look at a team that actually 
could be really quite frightening given the year at UCL. You know, in order for them not to finish in the top four, Christian, it's going to require four, four teams to be better than them. And right now, you say Arsenal, sure. You say Leicester until they show that they can't hang anymore, and, and that hasn't happened quite yet. We know Man City is, is eminently talented. Whether or not they can put it together consistently enough is, is, is a question. Then you have United with there are plenty of doubts, and they're behind uh, Tottenham by three points right now. And then you're never going to put West Ham, Crystal Palace, Watford ahead of uh, ahead of Tottenham, at least in your projections. It's a matter of whether or not Liverpool can climb back up under Jurgen Klopp. So th- there may not be four better teams in the league. It's just whether or not Tottenham gets the results they need. Exactly. That's the, the, the thing this season is that we're talking about the Premier League title in, in the sense that it seems as if nobody wants to win it. You could argue the same applies to the top four in the sense that we've seen that much change and that much unexpected uh, form from teams like Leicester. There's nothing to say that Tottenham can't do it because, again, I, I think they play some very good football. I think they've been able to show some resilience in key moments like they did against Everton on Sunday. It's it's purely about who's got the, the right mentality. I think that's something that we're learning this season that, that really self-belief, confidence is, is almost as important, if not a little bit more important than ability. Because, again, Mares, Vardy, they're proving that the gap between the elite and those below them isn't as, as vast as we might have been led to believe. And that actually, if you can sort the, the intangibles in your game, the, the mental aspect, you can uh, improve your level enough to the point that you're up there with, with, the, with the elite. Uh, you know, Christian, we could talk about Manchester City, who certainly deserves a bit of um, uh, a review here at this point in the season, uh, especially after their performance on on the weekend um, where they, they beat Watford uh, 2-1. But I, I actually want to, with the last couple minutes we have, to, to, pro- to, to touch on two, two different stories that sort of relate to the Premier League and MLS. The first one is the situation with Didier Drogba. Um, look, he, he is, has a love affair with Chelsea. We all know that. He's a legend there. He loves the club. That that is that is uh, Mourinho independent, and now that Goose Hiddink has stepped in and and they're looking to kind of recapture some good vibes there at Chelsea, they've offered him an opportunity to come back. He's heard that siren call. He's responded to it. It leaves Montreal in a very difficult place. Um, the latest that we've heard is that Chelsea will have to negotiate um, a buyout for 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 uh, or a transfer fee uh, for Drogba if Drogba remains an active player, but if he retires. He can just go and be a coach. Um, just your assessment of the situation right now from both sides. I think from Montreal's side, they, they've said that it's, it's out of their control, and I'm inclined to agree with that assessment. You you can't stop him in the sense that, as you touched on there, he could retire. It, it also puts him in a difficult position because he wasn't a bench guy. He was someone that was central to Tamaro Biello's plan. He was a game-changer for them. He was influential in getting them into the playoffs, I would argue, as well. And it means you now have to try and find someone who can essentially do the same role as that target man who can also play deeper if needs be. Or you need to find a designated player that arguably has the name recognition that he does, but also will benefit Biello and his tactics in a, in a similar way. That's really not easy. There's a lot of due diligence required with these moves. And I think the timing of it is really quite poor. Mm. From the Chelsea perspective... For them, it's a case of the player wants to come, so why is it an issue? I think it's an issue because he made a commitment to a club and they're not asking him to be a player. They're asking him to be a coach, really. And it's a different role completely. From Drogba's perspective, 
it's the heart ruling the head completely. He knows he has that commitment. He knows he has that year. And I think if he's honest with himself, he knows it won't reflect well on him if he does go. Because it's going to suggest that he's not taking the league seriously. Um, unfortunately, this league still struggles with the idea that it's a retirement league and that it's a, yeah. a paycheck league for these a- ageing stars. If someone breaks their contract in that way, irrespective of where he's going, what he's going to do, it's going to make the league look bad. And I think certainly Montreal are conscious of that as well, <laughs> given the, the single entity structure. I guess for me, um, again, this is it, it, the poll must be must be dramatic because he could he could play a year with Montreal and then still go to is that is that offer to be a coach at Chelsea going to go away after one more season I can't imagine that it is what is so crucial about this moment in time well if you assume they get someone new in there's a good chance that the offer does okay uh, right. I, I, I suppose I, I think what I would say as well is the club's in a difficult hour and it's that idea of, for him, it's like a friend or a family member in a tough moment. He wants to go back and help right now. Uh, you know, you, you don't know what the situation is going to be like in the summer. Yeah. Equally, I, I think they'll be fine, personally. I, I don't think the club will get relegated, let's say, for example. It's not that bad. I think, like I said, I think it's a little bit the heart ruling the head. It's, again, it's all very good. It's, it's very poetic and it's very romantic to say that, you know, Drogba should go back and help and all. I don't know what he does that changes him. To be to, to be brutally honest, I, I don't see what he brings that suddenly writes everything and turns everything around. No, because no. the the crux of that squad didn't work at Chelsea with him. There's only really, in my head, maybe John Terry that strings out as, as someone that was consistently alongside him. And if John Terry's not providing what Drogba could, then I don't see what extra asset he brings. Personally, if I was him or I was someone close to him, and again, I, I come with my own bias of, of being a fan of, of MLS and covering it, I'd, I'd tell him just to stick it out yeah. and just do the year. Because, again, even the short-term benefit, I, I don't know what it serves to the point of breaking this contract with Montreal, a contract that you signed in good faith. But, again, they're more than happy to, to um, adhere to and would have adhered to had he been terrible and not scored goals and, and struggled with the league. Right. The thing is, he's coming and done the opposite. You have to take both sides of that coin and say, well, I signed up for 18 months, so I've got to play 18 months. And unfortunately, I can't see that happening at this stage. I'm fully expecting to be in the, the blue of Chelsea by the end of the month, not you, the blue you know, of uh, Montreal. So do I. And I just, again, I wonder what he brings. To, I mean, he, he doesn't have any. I mean, look, he's been a sort of a player coach for the last couple of years. I suppose you can make that argument, but it's not the same. He, I don't know what his bad situation is. Uh, maybe he has. Uh, maybe he's gone through some, some, uh, some training. Maybe not. He all. Uh, it seems to me all he's going to bring to Chelsea is sort of a glorified, um, you know, a, glor- a glorified. Um, uh, I, I'm blanking on on the the phrasing here, but basically he's going to come in and give motivational speeches. That's what I mean. A glorified motivational speaker. Uh, and 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 how does that anyway? We'll move on very briefly here because we're over time. Stephen Gerrard is, is another guy in the news right now, Christian. And your assessment because Stephen Gerrard's out there, pretty vocally talking about his departure from Liverpool, where he sits, what he wants to do. He has said that 2016 might be his last year. Um, you know, for me, that's neither here nor there. He didn't work very well in in, in LA. We'll see if he can do it in another year. At least he's going to honor that contract. His gripes about his position at Liverpool, you think there's validity there? To a degree, yes. I think 
I think it's also very difficult in the sense that when you have a, an icon like that, and they, I think Liverpool suffered a similar thing with Jamie Carragher to a lesser extent, there comes a point where their benefit on the field is not what it once was. Now, that could come through age, it could come through ability, any number of factors. And it's how you transition them is is really what defines kind of their legacy. And it is very difficult because, again, if you've been a player a bit like we put Samuel Zane Rooney at the start, if you've been a player that's constantly defined games, has been an influencer, to then accept that you're not that player anymore, that you're not in that position, is incredibly difficult to to be reduced or to be or to evolve into an impact sub, that in itself, again, can be difficult to have your games chosen for you when you probably feel like you've got the experience to overcome any physical limitation. That is very difficult. And I see why they, why his, his role was diminished at the end, because he wasn't what he had been for so many years. And it's very difficult to handle that. But there's not many examples, if any, to be truthful, off the top of my head, that I can think of of, of that being handled well. Um... Even, you know, you look at someone like, like say Alan Shearer, for example, there were players he kept out that realistically, in hindsight, he probably shouldn't have kept out. But because of who he was, because of what he represented, he kept them out. And while he managed to evolve his game slightly as he got older to, to still manage to get him kind of double figures at pretty much every season, it didn't change the fact that it started to become a weight round the neck at one point. And that's what I think Gerard became with, with Liverpool to the point where they had to jettison him eventually. Mm-hmm. You would have maybe liked it to, to have gone the way that Carragher did, where he retires completely at the end of his career, doesn't go and play somewhere else, and he goes straight into that coaching staff role. That's just not the way it transpired. And I think you just have to accept that for what it is, that he's, mm. he's gone on to play somewhere else. And I, and I hope his last season is a, a, it's not only a fun one for him, but a successful one. I hope he's able to go out on the high that he deserves and, and he gives LA Galaxy everything um, that he can, because I think, again, not just financially, I think they've invested a lot more in him, and, and that deserves to be repaid. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens with LA. I mean, Stephen Gerrard has had the, un- the the misfortune of, of ending his career at Liverpool while that club was in a massive transition period. Didn't allow them to sort of address his legacy, maybe the way that a, a club like United did with, say, Ryan Giggs. Well, even that was transitional. Uh, who knows? Uh, Christian Hinnich joining us, first guest of the year. Could not think of a better person to bring on. Talking Premier League, uh, Christian, have a very uh, very good week and the first week of the year. Well, first working week of the year for most of us anyway. And, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Lovely, stuff. Thanks for having me. There goes uh, Christian. We'll t- uh, step aside. We'll come back. We'll open up the phone lines first time in 2016 and talk to you. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. We are back on Soccer Morning, the first episode of 2016. Good chat there with Christian Hedge. Brings it every single time. You have questions on the Premier League, con- uh, conversations you want to start, uh, observations you want to make. You call in right now at 646-832-3909. 
and get in. Let's go. Let's let's talk about this. By the way, news out of Spain looks like uh, Rafa Benitez is finally going to lose his job as Real Madrid manager. Did not uh, did not make it very far past the new year, but at least he made it past the new year. Lots of people thought he wouldn't do that. So it's uh, looking dicey. It may uh, may happen as early as this afternoon. Well, this afternoon European time, which is like right now. That's uh, according to Gillam uh, Balog on Twitter. Also wanted to take this opportunity to thank the Reddit community at r slash MLS, right? For, uh, for naming us the best podcast slash web show slash whatever it was of 2015. The online soccer show. Best podcast or online soccer show. That's, that's what we are here every morning from 9 to 10. We're the best well, we're an online soccer show, and then they've named us the best. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, yeah, first caller of 2016. Who's going to step up? This will set the tone for the new year. You know how uh, we talked about this, right? You're supposed to eat black-eyed peas. I don't know if I had this conversation with anybody on the air or if this was in my real life, because sometimes these lines get, get crossed. You're supposed to eat black-eyed peas to start the new year. It's a good luck thing. There's like the Pennsylvania Dutch have a bunch of stuff that they eat to start the new year. That's how you. That's how you may you ensure good health and, and good luck and 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 wealth and um, you know just a fantastic year. You have to eat the right thing. In this context, on this soccer show, the right caller, the first caller, is going to set the tone and determine what kind of year we're going to have. I'm anxiously watching the lines here. Let's see who calls in. Any second now, someone's going to call in and be the first caller in 2006. Any, any moment now. Like 646-832-3909. I'm, I'm watching intently. Somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to be the first caller. You know what I would like? Well, no. Every, uh, call in, whoever you are. If you're a regular, if you've never called in before, I would encourage people who have never called in before to make the beginning of 2016, their debut on this show. But if you are a regular, I'm happy to hear from you as well. All right, so we talked, uh, we talked Rafa, we talked the English Premier League. Let me, let me see what else I have uh, going through the, the news cycle here. Uh, <laughs> Mike says, nothing about Pennsylvania Dutch food is setting the tone for good health. That's actually probably true. There's a lot of lard involved, right? <laughs> Isn't there lard isn't that a regular thing in Pennsylvania? I mean, it's a regular thing in a lot of food. I feel like cast iron skillets and lard are part of Pennsylvania Dutch cooking, and I don't really know. We've already had the scrapple discussion. If you are a scrapple backer, I'm sorry. I cannot get with you. You're very wrong about breakfast. No scrapple with my breakfast. Please. Tab Ramos has called in a 36-player camp for the U-20s. That's uh, of interest. Some of these names you know. Most of them you don't. I mean, of course, it's a lot of kids who are in uh, uh, academies, kids who are, some of them are in college, uh, stuff like that. Oh, looks like the first caller of 2016 is going to be my man Robert out in L.A. What's up, Robert? Hey, good morning, Jason. Uh, happy New Year. Happy New Year, my friend. What's on your mind? Hey, wanted to talk about, hey, was this, is this true, this rapper Benitez firing? Uh, Gillen, I think I said Gillen Balog. On Twitter was talking about it. He says it might happen, but it's not confirmed yet. We'll see. Okay, because I was going to call in about the some 2016 predictions. Oh, you're going to make a prediction that Rafa was going to lose his job? Yeah, uh, yeah. Mine was going to be he was going to lose after lose. He was going to get fired after losing to LA to Madrid. Oh, okay. In the upcoming season, but uh, I actually have a couple I want to get uh, ask you or, or actually call. That's okay. 
No, go ahead. Anything else you got? Go ahead, man. All right, I'll say I'll go real fast. My uh, first prediction is that uh, the Red Bulls will win all three matches against NYCFC again. <laughs> all right, a nine-point sweep. Go ahead. Okay, and my other one is I, I heard this the other day during the, the whole EPL crazy week that Arsene Vigil was saying that Alexis Sanchez was going to get rest this summer. And I was like, wait, is he not, know, is he not aware of the Copa America? Because he was saying how he's been playing for pretty much two years straight with the previous Copa America in the World Cup. Who so is he talking about? It's kind of a sad one, but I predict that he's not going to be at the Copa America. Who? Who? Alexis Sanchez. Oh, Alexis Sanchez. Well, I mean, he's injured, right? So, uh, you know, it, it depends on... I imagine it's going to be a, a difficult question to be answered for, for Chile. And, and there's, we've already heard rumors that Chile might consider not bringing their best squad. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because pretty much their best players have been playing for like two years straight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, when, you, when you talk about the guys that they rely on, Alexis Sanchez, Arturo Vidal, that's, 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 yeah, those guys are, are constantly either internationals or are running long seasons with teams that are in Champions Leagues and, and, and finals and, and going up to the final day. Uh, trying to get to you know fourth place or a championship or that kind of thing. So it's not just that it's a long season that they're consistently playing; it's the stress of it as well. Also, flying hockey across the planet for World Cup Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. When when you when you're a, when you're a South American player of the top level and you're playing your club football in Europe, that travel schedule is hell. Yeah, and my third one is uh, the the New York Cosmos will make the U.S. Open Cup final. I don't know again, too, but I just think it's going to... I'm not saying they're going to win. I just think they're going to make it this year. All right. All right. Well, uh, I like that. All right. So we've got Alexis Sanchez won't be at Copa America. The Cosmos are going to win, are going to go, sorry, go to the U.S. Open Cup final, and the Red Bulls take nine points off of NYCFC again. Robert, those are some pretty strong predictions, man. We'll have to... Somebody write those down for me. Hey, if they open through, I'll call in a... I'll eat crow. All right, and man. also one more thing, Jason. You you say you wanted suggestions for your for 2016 for your show. Yeah, I'll, well, yeah, we're taking suggestions. It's there's a there's a, a, a there's a suggestion box right here, uh, virtual. Yeah, just throw something in it, Robert. You said yeah, you said keep it realistic, so I will. Uh, I know in, in right behind you, you have a whole wall of stars. Why don't you wear one each day? A new one, a different one. Okay, all right. Let, 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 you wanna, like, let's pull the curtain back a little bit on the scarf situation since Robert's bringing it up. And by the way, I think I do think that this is every scarf that I currently own. There may be one or two floating around in my house, but I don't think that those are gift scarves. Those were scarves I bought. The problem with the idea of wearing a scarf every day, uh, uh, Robert, is that th- these are not necessarily the most um, uh, easily moved setups here like like the one right here that's to my right and to the to your left when you're watching the show that thing's pretty solid i can't not solid but i mean if i move if i take a scarf off there's a hole i gotta fill that that hole or if i leave the hole i gotta put the scarf back up there's it's not everything in here is diy all the display situations are very diy and i'm afraid if i mess with them they'll come tumbling down and i won't ever get them back up right Oh, okay. Well, this is a suggestion. I'm no, just saying it's, like, it's, it's, that it's, it's free a, beer movement one will look pretty nice. It's a, fee, it's a fine suggestion, Robert, that I don't, I don't dislike it. I'm just, let me look. I, I'm, I'm looking. I got the window situation. I could probably take one down a day. That, the one on the back wall is not going anywhere. So that's part of the problem. Because I, I do, I like the Jacksonville Armada scarf. I like the soccer in the street scarf that I got from my boys in Atlanta. Uh, we've got the Sounders Community Trust. 
Uh, those are all up there. Uh, yeah, I mean, part, uh, you know what? It's also hot in here. <laughs> it's also it's also warm. I have lights on me. If I put a scarf on, I start sweating. Then it starts to smell. Not that you care, but I do. And uh, so many so many problems with it with the Robert. It's a great it's a great suggestion. Maybe I'll find a way to do something with it. Maybe I'll pick a scarf to highlight every day or something. You can wear yeah, I can wear one for like a theme one, maybe once a week. All yeah, right, which is the suggestion. Thanks for taking my call. All right, Robert, appreciate it. Robert from LA, the first call of 2016. That's that's a strong one. Robert uh, Robert's a regular. Like I said, I kind I was kind of hoping for a debut caller uh to start out 2016. I kind of feel like we need to freshen it up around not nothing against Robert or Roberto or Eddie or Ray or Daniel or I don't know, I'm missing a bunch of people and I apologize. Uh, all of you regular callers. Uh, the Richards up in Philly, no no offense to any of you. I just thought maybe we would get a debut caller uh, here, uh, first first uh, first caller of 2016. Uh, Bo Durr on Twitter. It'll be fun to it'll be fun to play Olympic games in venues with no power. Rio has issues. I need to catch up on the situation at, in uh, Rio de Janeiro. And 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 in it, generally speaking, the the soccer tournament happens across the, the more of the country than just the host city. I I know that you know that. There's no, usually not enough venues in one city to host all of the soccer tournament. I don't know what the situation is with that. Um, I'll ask Bo about the, the, the women's tournament, which we definitely expect the U.S. women to be in. As for the men, they've got to go through Columbia. We don't really, that's going to be hard, but we'll see what happens uh, with, um, uh, with the U.S. men as they try to figure it out and uh, win a, an, aggregate, an aggregate series against one of the better teams in South America. That will not be easy. All right. One of the other things I wanted to do here. Oh, yeah. 646-832-3909. Keep them coming. Second call of 2016. Who's it going to be? Step up. I, I wanted to talk about this calendar that MLS Soccer has posted. They're actually calling it the Almanac. From Combine to Cup, all the dates you need to know. So, so uh, Radio Gather. Combine to Cup, all the dates you need to know. All right. Um, so much stuff happening in 2016. Uh, this is mainly, you know, this is obviously U.S. focused, uh, MLS focused, uh, but we'll definitely, uh, we definitely have some things on here that are more international. That Concacaf qualifying tournament for the Rio Olympics is from February 10th to February 21st down in Texas, Houston and Dallas. So that's something to keep an eye on uh, for the women making the Olympic tournament this uh, this summer. By the way, Grant Wall predicting that the women will lift their or, or win their fourth straight gold medal in that tournament. We've got uh, the Super Draft coming up. That's in 10 days. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to be there. Trying to figure out if I'm going to be there, uh, be uh, at that uh, convention, the NSCAA convention at all this uh, this coming uh, this coming uh, time around in Baltimore. It's not that far away from me. Uh, we've got the U.S. friendly against Iceland. That's part of that U.S. camp that's going to happen. I believe that camp is starting in a couple of days. We got word at the uh, last week that they pushed it back to the tenth, the opening of that uh, that. Uh, uh, that uh, camp opening uh, pushed it back to the 10th, which means we don't have the roster yet. We're all anxiously awaiting that to see which one of our favorite MLS players gets called up to the uh, to the ro- uh, to the camp camp strudel, camp cupcake, whatever you want to call it. Let's see, we've got uh, this. That's all winter stuff. Spring MLS opening weekend, March 6th. By the way, the full schedule for MLS coming out on Thursday. So uh, keeping an eye out 
for that. We've got uh, World Cup qualifiers, obviously, uh, last a uh, couple of days of March, last week of March. Uh, the Olympic qualifying against Colombia is also late March. Not sure when exactly, probably right around those same uh, FIFA dates. Uh, let's see. Oh, look, we're putting conferences for people that, okay, never mind. Uh, CONCACAF Champions League final. Uh, we don't know if there will be an MLS team in that. The quarterfinals actually start on February 23rd and 24th, so there's that to watch out for. The summer. The summer is going to be insane. I don't think any of us are actually ready for the summer. And and I look, we just talked about the U.S. women going down to Rio. That's coming up in August. Okay, so But you start your summer with June 3rd through June 26th, Copa America Centenario in the United States of America, right here in your backyard. You're going to be probably watching a lot of games, maybe going to some games, at the same time, actually kicking off a week later, but roughly in the same time window, Euro 2016, which means you can get you're going to watch Euro games during the day, or you're going to you know surreptitiously watch your feeds on your computer at work and use the boss button or the the the, the tab thing, however you do that, um, and then in the evenings you're going to watch Copa America games because yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that's going to be insane. Then I mentioned the, the Olympic quali- the Olympic soccer tournaments. Even if the United States men are aren't in that tournament, it's going to be worth watching. You have the U.S. women expected to be in the U.S. Uh, sorry, in the Olympic soccer tournament. That this summer, I mean, I I I I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how to properly frame what's going to happen. And, and and by the way, if you uh, if you run some business and you're thinking, hey, how can I capitalize? On all of this soccer enthusiasm coming up this summer, uh, you should partner with Soccer Morning and Backhill.com. Uh, Trevor at Backhill.com is the web, is the uh, email address. <laughs> Just throw that in there for uh, for fun. 646-832-3909 is your phone number. Looking at the fall here. Well, you've got, uh, you've got World Cup qualifying again uh, coming up uh, in September. There's some qualifiers sprinkled in here. Uh, then you've got uh, fall. The, the playoffs come in MLS. You've got uh, the hex starting uh, in November. You've got uh, yeah, that's about it. That's that's about all the good stuff that's on the calendar. But there's a lot, a lot of good stuff on this on this calendar. All right. So we talked uh, we talked some England. We touched on a little bit on Spain in uh, the sense that Rafa Benitez is expected to be fired today. We've uh, we talked whatever there is in terms of MLS. Uh, seen a couple of of notes, um, you know, rumors and stuff ba- bouncing around. You obviously have Harrison Affle at uh, Columbus and his status, whether or not he'll be sold. Uh, this winter has come up several times. He says he's happy, et cetera, et cetera. A little bit of transfer silly season stuff sticking to MLS. Always enjoy seeing that. Uh, Christian Teixeira in Vancouver's name. His name was. Uh, was out there this morning when I was looking at the news. Uh, so a couple of things. Oh, Jordan Morris, this just coming through. Uh, Ivis Gullersep reporting this um, at his website uh, that Morris has made the decision to begin his professional career by foregoing his senior season at Stanford, and he's in uh, reportedly in advanced negotiations with Seattle. Uh, now, obviously, they have already offered him the largest homegrown contract in league history, we expect that that's somewhere north of $200,000, if not a little bit more than that. Uh, and, and look, it's about time. Jordan Morris is going to be... I, I don't have a problem with Jordan Morris being a college player. Okay, That's not my issue. My issue is that if Jordan Morris is going to be a part of the U.S. men's national team, then he needs to be a professional. 
He needs to be in that environment day in and day out. He needs to, to be training. He needs to be playing competitive matches. He needs to be part of the setup with a professional team if Jurgen Klinsmann is going to be calling him up to be part of the U.S. men's national team as well. So there you go. A couple other things coming up in terms of expansion and, and team news. I think we've got San Antonio getting ready to announce their USL name and colors. I think that's coming up uh, this week. I saw, oh man, what was the other rumor out there? Trevor, I don't know if you've got any of these rumors. Uh, let's see. Uh, Steven Gerrard, I've already read that one. Uh, oh, LAFC is set to announce their stuff on Thursday. I'm not, maybe, uh, maybe San Antonio's date's a little different. Uh, maybe I got my wires crossed here, but LAFC is getting ready to do their crest and colors on, uh, Thursday. We'll be here for that. Certainly should be fun. Uh, try not to make too much fun of LAFC. Uh, especially if they get everything right. Why would we make fun of them? All right. How much time do we expect Morris to get with Seattle's first team? I mean, that's the, that's a lot. That's the big question. I mean, you want the kid to get good time in competitive environments against competition that's going to make him better. That, to me, requires him to be part of the first team and getting regular minutes with, uh, you know, under Siggy Schmidt. If they don't have room for him, then he goes and plays for Sounders too and nothing against the USL level. That's not where I think a player of, uh, of Jordan Morris's talent and future should be um, should be working, you know, should be plying his trade. But there may not be minutes. You've got you got Obafemi Martins and you've got uh, Clint Dempsey. How are you possibly going to work Jordan Morris in more than just as an occasional spot starter slash option off the bench? And maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough. I mean, there's certainly a balance here. So Schmidt has to consider how much time he gives to Jordan Morris. When Jordan Morris is a young player who needs experience, but also is a young player who's not who doesn't have experience, and you know maybe he's cover for some injury situations they might have in Seattle in 2016, but is he going to see regular time that's going to help him become the player he can he could become? Always the issue uh, with young players like uh, like Jordan Morris. All right, phone calls. You guys are not on it today. That's all right. Robert was the only one. That's fine. We'll wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning. Happy 2016, everybody. Thank you very much for taking part and listening to the program. Make sure you're following us at Soccer Morning. Again, thank you to everybody at Reddit uh, for the uh, recognition, best podcast slash online web show, whatever that was, online soccer show. Yeah. Um, we will be pushing for more awards in the, I don't know, I don't know, campaigning. Do we do that? Uh, you could also, uh, you can also, Hit, a, hit me up at DavisJSN on Twitter, and I think that's going to be it, right? I think that's probably today's final message. I don't have anything else for you. Thank you to Christian Hennage for joining us, talking Premier League. We'll see you guys tomorrow on Tuesday. Bye.